Thank you so much for tuning in and welcome, everyone. I hope you're well. I'm your host, Ben Lively, and you're listening to Shaken Awake, episode number 31. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in wherever you are and whatever you're doing right this very moment. I want to take a quick moment to thank some new listeners uh, for tuning into the show last week. So welcome aboard, and we are certainly glad to have you. And as always, I promise you another great show, but more than anything, my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord. He's always right there beside you. And if you find any value uh, in these episodes, the greatest thank you of all, in my opinion, is to pass the word to at least one person you know to help spread the word. And I, I just wanted to give a shout out to our strong Christian men's group, on Facebook, known as Men Who Follow Christ. Uh, They're official sponsors of this show, and if you're a man of God or striving to be one, join us today on the Facebook group Men Who Follow Christ. And although this group is for men, uh, we also recognize the need for women to have a place like this, so we support our sister page at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the weeping women of christ so uh without further ado let's get ready to invite god in with us right here right now and allow him to speak directly to your hearts and minds so here goes here is today's topic the great deception is upon us the devil's clever misdirection So I don't know about you all, but I assume some of you were like me growing up. uh, Magic performances always amazed, didn't they? I always knew it it wasn't real because church warned me. (laughs) Nevertheless, it looked so amazing and real. And the more it looked real, the more I was drawn to it. Illusionists, uh, magicians, and those that even uh, did simple card tricks or street magic. So the more real... And intriguing it appeared, the more I was drawn to it, and everything around me sort of disappeared. Then when the trick was performed flawlessly, just trying to figure out how they could have done that was almost equal in amazement to the deception itself and the illusion. And later on, I learned about how it's done and how it comes down to what's termed misdirection. So magicians use misdirection or what they professionally label as attention management. And it's a means of concealing the mechanics of their tricks. And they can do this because the brain, the human brain, naturally processes information in ways that allows it to be influenced, to see certain things, but not others. Okay, magicians learned misdirection through basic trial and error. So another, you know, other synonyms or like words for misdirection uh, include lead, uh, led astray, uh, instruct badly, deceive, misaddress, mislead, corrupt, pervert, subvert, and demoralize. So how is how is misdirection used in real life? Uh, it compels the audience to look away for an instant so that the uh, maneuver goes undetected and unsuspected. It covers the small necessary act with uh, or action with a, with a larger movement. And this way of misdirection is the most subtle, but it's devastating in the right hands. So ha- have you ever watched a behind the scenes show on magic? where the magician reveals, they're not supposed to, but they reveal some of his or her secrets on how some of their magic tricks are performed. And if you have, you'll see that 
what they do is so basic and easy, you're left scratching your head in amazement as to how you didn't see or figure that out before. But by that point, it, it, it's it's not psychological misdirection. It's showing the obvious that your brain couldn't detect simply because it was focused on something else the magician intended you to focus on. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how misdirection works in magic. So we think of all the greats in magic that have done some of the world's best illusions and magic the world has ever seen. Harry Houdini, David Copperfield, Chris Angel, David Blaine, Penn and Teller, many others. Yet they pale in comparison. In fact, they don't even make the charts against the number one magician, number one illusionist, deceptionist, manipulator, deceiver of all of history, the god of this world, Satan. He's had many thousands and thousands of years to perfect his craft, and yet his is real. But in the evil realm of spirituality, of spirituality, which is much, much worse, his illusions help guide people to hell, right, and and take others with him and them. His powers are the worst of them all, and yet so many of us are blind to them. But like others, he hones and perfects his craft as well, making his deceptions and illusions and misdirections greater with each generation. He's so good. In fact, it can take generations just to look back and realize the impact he created on earth by his trickery. That by then it's too late to fix. Are you, are you guys following me here? I'm sure you are. So now I've, I've only been on the earth 44 years now. And ever since God opened my eyes and ears, and remove the scales from my eyes and, and mind and replace them with his lenses and living word along with the instructor and helper, the Holy Spirit, two and a half years ago. He's given me the gift that he's given many, if not most of his children, and which is the ability to see the enemy and his deceptions clearly. The gift of discernment and the ability to see the unseeable as it is to unbelievers, almost to the point of a curse as well as a blessing. And I say curse because to point out these to unbelievers and the loss is often met with giant uh, deflection and mockery. To them, it's like you and I trying to convince them that the sky isn't blue and never was. It was just a different shade of red and they've been unable to see it their whole lives. You know what I mean. Those of you that have tried to spread the truth, that's part of our calling and it's the race we run for the father we're doing the will of the father regardless of the perceived or or real consequences we face here on earth a place that's uh temporary so in this episode i'm going to break down and list 15 deceptions the enemy is using today as well as what the word of god says about them so we can walk away from today's show just perhaps a bit more informed and our eyes perhaps open just a, a bit wider. And after I quickly go over these top 15 deceptions and misdirections from the enemy, I'm going to counter them with the living word. Because like I always stress, never take my word or any other man's word, including your pastor, unless you can ver verify that it's backed up by God's word. Otherwise, it's just man's word. And that amounts to nothing. And, and by the way, these are my top 15 misdirections and deceptions. There are many, many more that happen daily. So number one is, hey, let's throw the moose on the table, uh, COVID. Uh, we were all call, caught off guard by the uh, coronavirus. Well, guess who wasn't? God. And if I asked every one of you 
and the same number of non-believers who has been the big what's you know what's been the biggest issue over the past two years everyone would say covid no you know at least the major majority of the percentage would yet how many of you know that it's not it's got the world so tied up in vaccines and doing things we would have never done before that we're looking to vaccines and stimulus checks and other things rather than god so that the devil gets a huge check mark on his scoreboard for this one. Guess what we're being misdirected from? God and his word. Second one is good and bad government. So we saw half the world erupt into chaos with President Trump when he was elected. And we saw some good and we saw some bad on both you know, sides of the aisle. But never in history have we seen so much turmoil in the American public toward the president. Again, on both sides of the aisle. Those that hated Trump hated him to the point they were murdering him according to the biblical definition. And those that loved Trump loved him to the point of idolization and worship. The same right now is happening with Biden, and which also happened with Obama. So it's nothing new. Uh, we Number three is worldwide catastrophes. You know, I, I don't know about you, but there are more earthquakes, fires, um, volcanic eruptions, heat waves, floods, hurricanes, natural disasters of all types, and, and other that, that's setting worldwide records to the point I can't even keep track anymore. And they're almost not even noticed anymore. It's simply looked at and passed along like another news article feed on your Facebook or Instagram. Number four is tyranny. I'm hearing and seeing more governments being overthrown and the stirring of the people regarding future plans of tyranny against their government than I have in my entire life. The most recent, obviously, being Afghanistan. The second recent and up-and-coming, folks, is in our very backyard here in America. Fifth is money. Seems to be the world's number one concern is money. From the government's need to fund to the companies and corporations needing to grow to the general public to receive more from the government and to make more and more and more money during this lifetime of opportunity to make a lot of cash doing a lot of meaningless tasks and side gigs. You know, money rules the heart and minds of billions. I was one of them. Six would be acceptance of what's unacceptable to God. The things of 50 or so more years ago and going back that were once taboo and just unacceptable to the Lord. Guess what? They still are. Yet not only is it being accepted worldwide and embraced, but it's being forced on the believers regardless of their religion. Abominations such as having gay thoughts and performing gay actions and enforcing and encouraging those in the faith to embrace this as, as well as in the pulpit. You know, a, a first Lutheran preacher is now preaching to a congregation they're a uh, transgender and they're married to the same sex. This just happened a few weeks ago. And that's just a recent example. So not, not speaking about Jesus or open worship in public places, it's being condemned everywhere. Things of the Lord that are found offensive to non-believers are being required to be removed from, from private uh, property and other public and private institutions. Sex before marriage is encouraged everywhere from schools to commercials to just about everywhere you look. 
Alcohol and marijuana have become the number one idol in the home, as is pornography. It's unregulated. It's not policed to prevent, you know, underage access. And it's going nowhere but south quickly, which is another idol in the home today. Number seven is job market. Now, we have more need for workers than ever before. And on the contrary, we have more people not wanting to work than ever before. They're living off those that make the money legitimately and pay their taxes. We're allowing open borders so that those entering illegally will be benefiting the same or even more than hardworking Americans. Number eight on the list, youthfulness, making us look younger when it has no effect and doesn't change our death date. I'm seeing more ways to stay and look younger than ever before, even at the cost of one's life. Jeff Bezos, owner of Amazon, just announced the creation and funding of a new corporation of his to create the ability for one to live on forever. We have more elective surgery options than ever before, more medicines and magic pills than ever before to enhance what God gave us because we're no longer happy with the what, what our outsides look like. Never mind what's inside, where God actually looks at the heart. More people die than ever because they become so vain that a necessary selfie turns into their mode of death. Number nine, alternative forms of God. Everything that's placed before or above God, including your own family, is considered an idol. Well, God is love. People are looking everywhere else but God to find love. Self-love, false love, uh, temporary love, feel-good love, love of evil, selfish love, and anything they can to, to live their best life without God. Number 10, alternative forms of worship. We see more and more worship of astrology, new age moments, worship of professing pastors that are preaching against the word of God, not what's in it. We see worship of the pastors themselves versus those that they're professing to preach about, which is Jesus. We see people holding events that look more like a gay pride parade or electronic music rave or rock rap concert than it does a place of worship. That's because it's not godly worship. Number 11 on my list is alternative forms of the Bible. We seem to be relying on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and live feeds and comment sections of all the social media to capture our information regarding Christ rather than the very living and breathing word of God itself. Why do we use Google and Wikipedia more than we open up the pages of a book that God wrote himself through others and that's been in front of our eyes for over 2,500 years? Why would we take the word of man to replace the word of God? That's like choosing to ask a question and wanting an answer from a student of God rather than God himself who's standing right next to the student. Doesn't make sense, does it? Yet everyone's doing it all the time. Number 12 is protection. The government's now the form of protection. At least to, to the many around the world that looks to you know to them for their safety and protection, whether it's stimulus checks, unemployment, health care, increased minimum wages, moratoriums on evictions, creating of new laws and executive orders for their benefit, waiting for and expecting handouts, and so many, so many other forms of protection before prayer is even a thought, if it's even a thought at all. 13, peace and happiness. Our peace and happiness now comes from feelings and opinions and objects of our affection. How many have peace and happiness because of Jesus? 
We look for peace and happiness in a bottle, in a pill, in a joint, in our bank account, at the bar or the club, at the stock market, at the amount of likes and so-called friends we have on social media, how our days and weeks go, our health, and how much fun we have. Number 14 is the commandments. What are those anymore? Many proclaimed Christians can't even agree as to which commandments are required now or which commandments we need to follow, those of the Old Testament or those of the New Testament. If the Christian community can't agree, how does the rest of the unbelievers or backslidden know of or agree on? Some even say there were 60, you know, 650 plus laws of Moses from the Old Testament that were abolished by God once Jesus died on the cross for our sins and were and was resurrected. Yet they don't know about or agree on or even realize in many instances that there are over 1150 do's and don'ts listed in the New Testament. They agree to once saved, always saved, yet many that profess this aren't even truly saved. And last but certainly not least, on my list is Old Testament versus New Testament. This causes strife between people of different faiths as well as non-believers alike. We hear that the quote-unquote God of the Old Testament, for instance, believed in slavery and murdering of children and hated gay people. Just the title of God of the Old Testament is a misdirection. He is the God of all. He is the great I am. He is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He hasn't changed and never will. Perfection cannot become any more or less perfect. He has defined perfect and the only one who is. Yet even many Christians believed he quote unquote changed somehow to become the so-called God of the New Testament. That's not in our Bibles. That's from the devil. God doesn't conform to the times Satan and his followers do. So let's break down these 15 areas. Uh, let's see what God's word has to say, shall we? Just to just to back up some meaning. So COVID, you know, the spread of sickness such as the coronavirus is a foretaste of pandemics that will be part of the end time. Jesus referred to future plagues associated with the last days. That's Luke 21.11 which says there will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilence. And there will be terror, uh, great terrors and great signs from heaven. I'm seeing them every week. Well, how about good and bad government? The, the Bible speaks decisively to this issue. Romans 13, one and two says, obey the government for God is the one who has put it there. So those who refuse to obey, uh, refuse to obey the law of the land are refusing to obey God and punishment will follow. Look it up. It says it. Romans 13, 1 to 7. Again, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain for he's the servant of God and an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, 
but also for the sake of conscience. And in Acts 5.29, it says, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. 1 Peter 2.13-17, For be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Lastly, 1 Timothy 2, 1-2. to First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So how many of you that disliked Trump prayed for him? Same goes for Obama. Same goes for Biden. Well, we heard verses that backed up why we should have been and why we should. So let's move on to catastrophes. Bible prophecy suggests there will be disasters during the conclusion of the system of things or the last days. Matthew 24, 3, 2 or in Timothy 3, 1. For example, concerning our time, Jesus said, there will be food shortages and earthquakes in one place after another. Soon, God will rid the earth of all causes of pain and suffering, including natural disasters, as in Revelations. So th th these things that are happening have already been prophesied. Matthew 24, 6 to 12, next Jesus talked about political turmoil and war. Famines, pestilences, and earthquakes were also mentioned. As if his words were not already discouraging enough, he added that these events are only the beginning of sorrows. So this is just the beginning, folks. Now on to tyranny. Isaiah 54, 14. In righteousness, you'll be established. You'll be far from tyranny. For you won't be afraid. And from terror, for it won't come near you. Then is the line drawn over which must one must cross those who would be obedient to God. More than government, if a person knows without a shadow of a doubt that the government which is instru uh, instructed in the scriptures to serve has instructed him to disobey God, should he then not resist? If so, then how? How strongly? 1 Peter 22, 13-17 states that to submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake is a good thing, whether to the king, president, or to the governors, it's the civil authorities, as unto those who are sent by God to put lawlessness down by the punishment of evildoers, and to give praise to those that do well. For so is the will of God, that with the well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free men and not using your liberty as a cloak to hide maliciousness behind, but as servants of God. Okay, so now on to money. Proverbs 23.5 says, Cast but a glance at riches, and they're gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. A good job or business and its steady earnings can be here today and gone tomorrow. We, we've seen it all the time. Be rich in good deeds. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
So once we begin to serve money and do anything to get more of it, it won't be long before money becomes your master. Jesus said in Matthew 19.24, I'll say it again, is it, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. That's not powerful. I don't know what is. And lastly, Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So on to the next one is acceptance of what is unacceptable to God. There's a lot of that going on, has been for years. Again, the things of 50 years ago were once taboo and accepted to the Lord, and they still are. 1 John 3, 4 says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Now let's take that one step further. And if this doesn't scare you, I don't know what does. It sure it sure woke me up. So the verse I just read from 1 John is everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Doesn't matter what the government or what the people say. If it's an abomination to God, it's it's sinning. It's lawlessness. So therefore, Matthew 7, 21 to 23, listen to what he said to those that are lawless. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, uh, of, sorry, kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? So it sounds like they believed in him. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. You depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There it is. How about job market? One of my favorite passages of scripture is Matthew 6, 25 to 27. It speaks right to the state of, that we're in. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body what you or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns? And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Man, that just speaks right to it, right to that issue. And youthfulness. First Peter 3, what matters is not your outward appearance, the styling of your hair, the jewelry you wear, the cut of your clothes, but your inner disposition. Cultivate inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. Which takes us right to 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. How many beautiful people have evil, dark hearts? Guess what the Lord is looking for? So we're looking in the wrong wrong place. So alternate forms of God. What does the Bible say? There's only one God. And God is three divine persons all in one. The Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Throughout scripture, we learn that Jesus is God in the flesh. God shares his glory with no one. Only God can die for the sins of the whole world. To say a man, a prophet, or an angel can die for the world is blasphemy. 
If someone denies Jesus as God in the flesh, they are serving a false God. Many people who are worshiping and praying in the church today are not praying to the God of the Bible, but the one they've made up in their mind. Neither are false religions like Mormonism, Buddhism, Islam, uh, Catholicism, Jehovah Witnesses, Hinduism, etc. The Bible is the most scrutinized book ever. And through this intense scrutiny over centuries, the Bible still stands and it puts all these false religions and their false gods to shame. We're in the end times, so false gods are created daily. What's on your mind the most? Whatever it is, that is your God. God is angry right now at America and its false gods like money, like iPhones, Twitter, Instagram, these entertainment, PS4, PS5s, cars, girls, sex, celebrities, drugs, malls, gluttony, sin, houses, trusting Christ and trusting Christ alone. So the Bible says in Exodus 20, 3 to 4, never have any other God. Never make your own carved idols or statues that represent any creature in the sky, on earth, or in the water. Exodus 34, 17, do not make any idols. Deuteronomy 6, 14, never worship any of the gods worshiped by the people around you. How about alternate forms of the Bible? And there are. 1 Peter 1, 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you've heard from us, you accept it not as human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. 2 Peter 3.16, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and correctly handles the word of truth. Acts 17, 11. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness, and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's how much they relied on the word of God, as we all should. Colossians 3, 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonister one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. A couple more verses here, really good. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirits, sorry, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Luke eleven twenty eight. he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And lastly, 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture, all scripture is God breathed. And it is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Moving along, and we're almost finished here, we have protection. 
You know, John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 1 John 5, 18, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. So our protection is in God, nothing else. Psalms 9, uh, 91, 1 to 16, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snares of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover, cover you with his pinions and under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor arrows that fly by day. Peace and happiness. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalms 37, 4, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalms 16, 8, 8 to 9, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My all, my body also will rest secure. So this is what many people go on searching for their entire life in a bottle, in a job, in the money, in, in anything of life. And here it is right here in God. That's where true peace, happiness, joy, and fulfillment and happiness and uh, and peace come from. John 15, 11 says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Psalms 19, 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And to the next deflection on commandments, John 14, 15 if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's what that's what the Bible and God feels about uh, serving and obedience to the commandments. First John five three. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. John fifteen ten. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Matthew nineteen seventeen. And He said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. 2 John 1, 6, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as, you, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Lastly, Matthew 22, 37 to 40. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it that you should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And the last is Old Testament verse, New Testament theories and doctrine, right? So Revelations 22, 18 to 19, pretty much, I think, uh, settles, the, settles the debate. Not that there is one, but it says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, that's the Bible, 
If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Folks, that's heaven. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. There's not an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. They're all the same. Two more verses and we're going to wrap it up. Malachi 3, 6, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. And thank God for that. James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change we change the time changes the seasons change the devil changes sin changes evil changes but god never changes so the point of today's episode is just to shake you awake and away from the deceptions and the, and the misdirection of the enemy there are too many distractions that are created by the enemy to redirect, to mislead, to misdirect and deflect those that would otherwise be on the right path. You know, guys, God's already won. The enemy has already been defeated. But as we see in today's current state of the world, the enemy is on hyperdrive to take take down and mislead as many to destruction along with him as he possibly can. And we have the guidebook and guide God in his word to prevent us from going astray. Take the blinders off and allow them to lead you in both truth and knowledge. Stay on the straight and narrow path that few find. My final statement is this. The forms may change and the temptations may vary, but the devil and his cohorts seek to disrupt, uh, disrupt, distract, and misdirect the people of God. We need to do whatever it takes to focus on the word of God. Worship the Lord quiet the voices of distraction and remove the misdirection uh, of the enemy. If you're not in the word of God, you need to be there. If you're not in a place of vital worship, you need to get there. In the last passage in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught on the danger of getting distracted from the word. And he said, therefore, any, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. That's Matthew 7, 24 to 27. So my final question to you all is then this. Where is your current walk leading you to believe, to act, to place your hope, faith, happiness, peace, joy, and truth in? Is it of the world or is it of the word? You can only serve one. Which will you serve? And so before we end today's show, I just wanted to thank you all again for tuning in. I hope you were touched by God through today's message in scripture. And again, I'd like to ask you a favor. Only if you received any value of, out of today's show, would you tell at least one person you know? Call them, text them, email them. 
talk to them, tell them to give this show a listen. And you can check out the show at www.shaken-awake.com. You can email me at ben at shaken-awake.com or call or text me directly for any reason at 407-493-3208. Again, my number is 407-493-3208. And if you have ideas for the show or want to be on, let me know. So next week, tune in next Sunday evening or whenever you're able as we as Shaken Awake get shaken awake by Michael Sanders of West Virginia, a, a brother in Christ that I got the uh, honor and pleasure to get to know. Our lives are very um, similar in nature. I think we were both shaken awake almost at the same time, almost in the same manner. And man, does he have a lot to share. And um Man, I'm, I'm really excited to have him on. So next week's episode is another powerful and do not mess episode. Thank you all for joining. And until next week, take great care of yourself and each other. And God bless you all.